You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Welcome to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nola Heal. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting with Trevor Prentice about his fantastic collection of entrepreneurial activities. After nearly a decade of experience managing and advising on intellectual property, patents, licensing, commercial agreements, and more, Trevor founded the IP Link to help fill the gap between business and legal services by helping businesses more easily prioritize, manage, and monetize their intellectual property. Among his various entrepreneurial side projects, Trevor sells speed cubes through Rocket Cubes and sends out a weekly newsletter called The Nerdy Parent with fun strategies for intelligent parents. Trevor has a BSc in physics, a master's in aerospace engineering, and a certificate of innovation and entrepreneurship from the Michael G. Foster School of Business at the University of Washington. He is refreshingly not a lawyer and can help you understand and prioritize your intellectual property strategy from a business perspective. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nola. It's great to be here. To get us started, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background beyond the bio. What brought you to starting the IP Link? Why the speed cubes? And why are parents nerdy? What fun stuff do you include in the <laughs> newsletter? Oh, yeah, that, that's a big question, I guess. So there's a lot there. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess broadly speaking, um, <clears throat> I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, even going back to my childhood. I can remember, you know, trying to sell candy out of my locker to my uh, friends and other other kids in the school. And and so as I as I continued to grow up, I've always had these various side projects or, or entrepreneurial ventures that um, that I've been experimenting with. And and yeah, so you've you've caught me in a time where I've got these three things going. Um, my my main business and my main day job is definitely VIP Link where I help businesses um, with their intellectual property strategy. And as you mentioned, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I tend to help people more from the business perspective uh, before they necessarily would, would want to jump in with a lawyer, figuring out some of the costs and prioritizing and uh, determining exactly what they have and how, how best to protect it. Um, and yeah, and I mean, as my bio briefly mentioned, I uh, used to do that as my my main day job, uh, working for actually the University of Alberta mostly. Uh, I was helping researchers uh, commercialize their intellectual property, so similar to what I do now, but uh, more from a research perspective as opposed to with industry, um, where I where I work mostly these days. Uh, so that's what got me into the IP link, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, I finally did, made the plunge. Uh, to become a full-time entrepreneur and started up that business about a year and a half ago. Um, and you you asked about the speed cubes and the uh, and the parenting newsletter as well. So these uh, actually the the uh, speed cube business uh, where I sell um, better better versions of Rubik's cubes. Uh, though that I actually started up a few years ago when I still had the full-time job. So it was sort of a bit of a side hustle uh, evenings and weekends when I found the time and. Uh, it's not something I've put a ton of time into, but uh, I, I used to solve cubes when I was younger and, and really enjoy them. And now I have my own kids, so I've been starting to teach them how to solve a Rubik's Cube. And 
And uh, I think it's just a great learning toy, right? It's, it's something, it's not screen-based. It's something that you can really learn a lot uh, about problem solving, math, um, like perseverance, dexterity. So there's so much there you can learn. And so I, you know, I thought, okay, how can I get into this? And um, I'm not really that fast at solving it. I can definitely solve it, but not as fast as some of the people, some of the kids these days. Uh, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sell them. I didn't, I didn't even realize myself that there's these cubes that are so much better than uh, the ones I used to, I used to play with. The, the actual Rubik's brand cubes are actually quite terrible in terms of, you know, how easy they are to turn and everything. So I discovered these speed cubes and I was like, wow, how, how could I not have known? So, um, and then the third, the third one you mentioned, yeah, is the parenting newsletter. And this is something that I've started more recently. Um, I, th- I think I only launched it at the beginning of September. And it's something I've, I've had kids. Uh, I've actually got four kids. I've had my, uh, my oldest for, he's turning almost 10, actually. So I've been a, a parent for about a decade as well. And, and I sort of had two older kids and then a bit of a gap and then two younger kids uh, that I have now. And so you know, the first round was sort of a learning process. And now with the second round of, of kids, I've sort of realized, oh, I wish I'd written down some of the stuff <laughs> that I used to do with those. Not that it was that long ago, but it was like long enough. I was like, I, I had developed all these awesome uh, techniques and systems and ideas for how to raise my kids and, and how to teach them. And I was like, ah, now it's like starting not entirely from scratch, but I wish I'd had like a, a reference guide or something. And so I figure there's other parents out there like that as well. So I'm this time around, I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh, that is so fun. What awesome combination of projects. The IP you, is, yeah. is a topic so near and dear to my heart. And I must agree, I really did enjoy cubes, but I was never any good at them. So if you found something that's <laughs> better for the turning and um, functionality. That is absolutely awesome. So um, have you had along the way or have you seen or discovered any techniques or secrets for unlocking uh, business growth, either in your own businesses or clients or that you've had along the way or any clients that you happen to have now? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I guess I've I've been discovering lots of ways, but I, I mean, my area of expertise obviously is is intellectual property and, and patents, and uh, so maybe one, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll answer that question by talking a little bit about um, how, you know, a, a slightly unique viewpoint that I have on patents and and how they can unlock value, you know, for your business. Um, so you know, as opposed to what the what some what a lot of the lawyers would say you know i i tend to come at patents from more of a business perspective so i help clients figure out um how patents might bring value to their business before just jumping right in i think a lot of people sort of think okay well, we need a patent i don't quite know why i like there's got to be some reason <laughs> people are telling me maybe potential investors or other mentors business mentors are telling me okay i need it i need to somehow protect my uh, ideas and my product but so I better get a patent, right? But it's it's a little bit nebulous in terms of how are is that going to like benefit the business uh, from a value perspective? How's that going to bring value? And patents are expensive and time consuming, so it really does make a lot of sense up front before before jumping in, before spending like tens of thousands of dollars on having a lawyer draft and file your patent. You know, it makes a lot of sense to look at exactly how that patent's going to bring value to your business and whether or not it even makes sense for your business, because a lot of businesses don't necessarily need patents. Uh, there's some other ways to protect your ideas and, and maybe, you know, you don't even need to worry about uh, IP protection in particular. So, um, so yeah, in particular, you know, I think 
patents can make a lot of sense if you're looking to improve your credibility in your business, like level up your business from that credibility perspective, because people will see patents are kind of like a signal as a lot, a lot of things in business are, and people will see that and they'll say, wow, these guys actually decide to take that extra step and invest in protecting their, their ideas. Um, even if you're just at an early stage in the patent protection process where maybe you can just say patent pending, um, and, it still it still signals to people that you're taking that path and you're making that progress. I think especially investors. So if you're looking for a large uh, investment round, you know some of these tech startups are looking to grow quite quickly and they need investment to do that. And I think filing a patent in that case can make a lot of sense because it's going to bring value in terms of uh, it'll make them more likely uh, and more desirable to investors. So at, at least at that level. Uh, and, you know, investors typically like to ask that question, well, how are you going to differentiate yourself in the market? How are you going to, what's going to stop um, these bigger businesses from coming in and just taking over uh, once you prove the market uh, with your idea and patents can be one answer to that question. So, you know, it's something to consider closely. Um, other, other ways that they can bring value to your business. I think a lot of people don't uh, consider licensing as closely as they might uh, want to, because especially smaller entrepreneurs, maybe solo entrepreneurs that have a, a physical product or even sometimes software, um, they may not, recognize the the long road they have in front of them in terms of developing a prototype um, and then eventually like starting to scale up manufacturing and um, sourcing a manufacturer and and then distribution and sales and everything it's it's a long road to develop and sell your own product um, but there could be other options for example licensing if you're able to get a patent or a uh, patent pending status you could then work with a bigger company and try to license your idea um, to that bigger company and then in exchange for royalties revenues that that come from them when they make sales uh, or even sometimes other other payments so so it's an it's a model that i think a lot of entrepreneurs at, at that stage depending on where they're at should consider it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's the best model for them but that's that's a little bit more of an obvious way to bring value and even recoup some of those patent costs because you know if you're not able to license then you don't necessarily move forward with the next more expensive phase of filing a patent you could just sort of abandon it at that point and, and pursue a different model for your business. But it's, it's worth pursuing initially, I think, in a lot of cases. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing how frequently these IP or tech items are developed and or patented before their time. And sometimes those patents or, or agreements that are in place early can can really protect the company. Have you come across a lot of situations where your clients have not really recognized or understood what is a patentable or licensable or, or trademarkable aspect of their their uh, products where they perhaps think the whole thing is one and you've come in and said no hang on you've got a couple in here yeah definitely this uh, this is uh, probably very common i mean this is almost all my clients <laughs> uh, and i think almost anyone who's going towards filing a patent you know unless they've spent 10 to 20 hours or you know a few thousand dollars uh, closely evaluating it then they, they probably don't know even themselves you know what part 
of their product or which of their products is most likely to be patentable. I mean, it's a very complex sort of thing. The patent office has these strict criteria you have to meet, has to be completely new, uh, useful, non-obvious. Uh, so that's more of a legal term. But um, but this is definitely what I help my clients sort through. You know, what uh, out, of, out of all of their products or maybe even if it's just one product, which part of that, which aspect of that product is most likely to be patentable. And so I help my clients do this by, you know, helping them with the search or, or doing this, the search to see if there's anything else out there similar to their product and, you know, which pieces of that are most likely to be completely new and, and innovative. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times I'll see people go straight to a lawyer and say, hey, I want to file a patent on this. Uh, please, you know, write it up and file it for me, right? But they're kind of missing a few steps because the lawyers, you know, sometimes the really good lawyers might say, well, wait a minute, let's slow down here. We got to do a bit of an assessment. But even then, I find those assessments are more from a legal perspective. And legally speaking, you know, they tend to find a way to, to, to patent it. Um, which, which, you know, really, you could probably get a patent on almost anything, but, but from a business perspective, is it really going to be a broad enough patent to bring value to your business, or is it going to be so narrow that your competition uh, can easily just invent around it or find a way around it? So, so that's where, I, you know, I, I do a lot, almost all of my work actually is in that area where I'm helping these clients uh, sort through what they have and really develop that business strategy around what they should be patenting and then and then package it so that when they go to work with the lawyer, it's a much easier interaction. You know, you're not having to have three hour long calls at that lawyer's uh, billable rate to, to just figure out even what what you want to file the patent on. And, uh, you know, we can package it up so that we basically hand that over to the lawyer and they, they're like and, and actually the lawyers appreciate it, too, because it's much more ready to file you know they know what they want they've done a bit of a prior art search so they know that it's got a higher likelihood of being accepted by the patent office and then the lawyers can then do what they do best write that in the legalistic way that it needs to be written to file it as patent and then do the filing and, and yeah and then usually we've got about a year before we need to worry about uh, another patent fee or another formal filing or something else fantastic that really does sound like your service streamlines the process <laughs> entirely and probably costs your clients a lot less and yeah it can it can certainly i mean i find it certainly leads to better patents at the end of yeah. the day you know on on the right things um, and of course, we we certainly try to make it as broad as possible. But at least we know that we've got at least that one nugget in there that's going to be having a higher likelihood of of being accepted. Um, the worst thing is to file something and then find out three or four years later, which is how long it takes the patent office to actually look at it <laughs> and do their review. Uh, and by then, you know, you might have spent fifty thousand or hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how many countries you went into. And and when they come back and they tell you, well, we're rejecting you because it doesn't look like it's uh, novel or it doesn't look like it's it's useful uh, useful or it's non-obvious right so if they come back now you've wasted all of that money and time and you can argue a little bit but sometimes it's just too difficult to to get back so doing that work up front it just leads to such so much better patents and and yeah in a lot in some cases it's even we're even able to uh, reduce the legal fees as well so okay. yeah. yeah awesome so <laughs> do you see any particular trends impacting industries companies or clients over the next say three to five years as we move forward here yeah i, I mean i i there's obviously lots of trends technology trends that i see you know i'm working with clients who have 
new products and new technologies. It's it's interesting. It's it's pretty fun to get to see uh, these these things before they're released or before they're actually out out in the market. Um, but I work with clients in in many different industries, so you know I don't I don't tend to. I mean, certain industries I've started to build more more of a, a history in where I can start to see some trends. Um, but I don't necessarily work in one particular industry so much that I'm really aware of all that. But but just in terms of patents in general, um, I, I definitely see a lot of I guess one industry in, no, in software, particularly in AI, a lot of software companies sort of think, oh, well, you know, you can't get a patent on software. <laughs> but I, that's, I think that's a very um, sort of simplistic view because there's certainly a lot of software patents that are filed. I mean, Google has hundreds of thousands. Um, Amazon has tens of thousands. And, and all the, these are the big companies, of course. But, but a lot of the smaller tech companies in the software space, especially down in Silicon Valley, I see filing uh, patents as well. Uh, if, again, if they're looking for investment at, uh, at a, maybe an angel or venture capital level, um, they tend to file their patents, whether those patents look like they have a high likelihood of actually being accepted or not. It's part of that process. You know, if you want to play that game where you're looking for investment rounds, it, it just makes sense because, you know, 10000 or 20000 whatever your patent's going to cost for those initial application, it's going to be dwarfed by a million dollar investment round or even a few hundred thousand dollar investment round. So it's like, you might as well do it because then you're just that much more likely to get your investment and there's all these. And then, you know, if your patent does get accepted. There's all these, uh, these benefits. So I'm seeing a lot of software companies, especially particular types of software like uh, AI and machine learning. Um, I'm seeing, you know, and I've, re I've read some reports from the various patent offices, like the World Intellectual Property Office that shows the number of patents being filed in these areas. And it's just amazing. They're, they're increasing exponentially. Um, the, other, the other trend I'm seeing is, and actually maybe this is old news, but uh, I think it hasn't sunk into people's minds as much. You know, the U.S. used to be the, the biggest uh, country for patent filing. You know, everyone in almost every country would always file, you know, their country plus a U.S. patent and then maybe some other places if they had the budget. But um, more and more, I'm noticing that the number of patents, I think it was might have been a, f a few years ago, five or so, and maybe even longer because I'm <laughs> time flies. But um, where China actually surpassed the U.S. in number of patents filed, and I mean their process and system is still a little bit weaker. If you want to actually try and take someone to court, but I'm seeing that change quite rapidly. So, and and of course patents last for 20 years. So if you file a Chinese patent now, and then they clean up their system you know, those patents could be very valuable in the future. And, and I think these days, I forget the exact number, but I did see a graph recently where uh, the number of patents being filed in China is like uh, somewhere between two and five times the number of patents being filed in the U.S. on an annual basis. So it's it's something to, and, and as I'm doing my searches as well, I'm seeing so many Chinese patents coming up, which are machine translated, which is, is nice. Otherwise, I'd really have no hope but of reviewing those. But um and but yeah, so that's another trend that I'm seeing in, in the intellectual property space. <laughs> that is very very interesting. Fantastic news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hopefully it means that with them protecting some of their IP, there will be slightly less of the um, stealing technology once yeah. they get their their system cleaned up. So yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah. 
So is there anything that you believe makes some successful while others struggle, either the companies in, in designing their technology or in the actual process of identifying and, and securing the, the, the IP in licenses or patents? Or Yeah, I mean, I think there's – yeah, so there's there's probably two situations. I mean, in, there's companies where filing a patent, for example, uh, um, it probably does make sense for them. Uh, but there's no there's and then there's there's companies where it really you know they shouldn't even be worrying about patents. You know, just m- move forward with their business, focus their money on sales, marketing, um, and other aspects of their business. But there, there's unfortunately no real fine line between those. You know, it's, yeah. it depends on your um, longer term strategy. It depends on what you have. You know, what you've developed. Uh, if it's a physical product or if it's um, if it's something that's really completely new, you know, or if it's just a little bit new improvements on existing stuff, you know, you stood you could still make sense for you to file a patent. So so based on those, you know, I guess the biggest issues that I see is when a company where it really doesn't make sense to them for them to file a patent, you know, they start investing tons of money into patent protection and they don't find out until years later that their patents, you know, have are being rejected and and sometimes uh companies or potential clients come to me at that phase (laughs) which is a little bit less fortunate uh, because there's not as much as i can do although i can help them you know sometimes i do uh reviews or compare patent claims comparisons to see all right how close is this patent to the one that the patent office is using to reject that patent because you can you can't argue against some of these rejections but that takes time and money as well and so you know you want to do your own sort of check to make sure is this even worth arguing or should we just give up now and (laughs) so um so yeah sometimes i see people coming to me at those stages and it's a little too late but but we do our best um and then the other side is you know, companies who really should be considering it because maybe they're pursuing investment or they're working with really big partners or each sale that they make is at a high enough level that, you know, the patent costs are uh, less of a percentage of the total revenue that they could bring in from those from those uh, products or services. And so, so those companies should be considering patent protection and they're, it's not even on their radar, right? So they don't even, I mean, I, I guess those, those would be the two situations where I think, you know, people run into the biggest trouble. And then, of course, it is complex and it's, it's very legalistic. And sometimes when you just go straight to the lawyer and work with the lawyer, it's, it's pretty tricky to figure out even what they're talking about sometimes. So it's, um, so yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense to either, either fig, figure that out on your own, which can take some time, um, or work with someone like me who can help, you know, this is where the word link comes together in, in the IP link, you know, link between the legal worlds, the technical world and the business world, and really just start to speak, you know, your language and translate from those other worlds a little bit. So uh, yeah, that, that's you know that's specifically with respect to patents and IP. Yeah, I would think uh, your service actually removes an element of the fear from the minds of a lot of people who just don't know where to start. They can at least yeah. have a chat with you, and 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 you can speak non-legalese and <laughs> and be able to relate to what they they're considering accomplishing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a business person too, and I actually have a kind of a previous career. I used to work at the Telus World of Science, and I used to work with educating kids a lot. So, I've I've 
you know, I like to think at least I've developed this ability to make things a little bit easier to understand. Um, I think, you know, if you can't teach it to your four-year-old, then you're speaking in a language that's a little too advanced. So, and this is whether you're talking to children or adults, because, you know, they might not be in that same industry or in that same space. So I try not to use too many um, legal terms or, or these other terms, like I know, you know, issuance is one thing I try to say, you know, whether that's been accepted by the patent office, because that's a, a little bit easier term to wrap your head around. But, um, sometimes it's tricky because, you know, you do have to understand like non-obvious, for example, this is one of the patent criteria that you need to meet. And it's, it is a bit nebulous. Like it's something the patent office sort of just throws at you. <laughs> they reject your patent because of obviousness. And it's sometimes pretty tricky to figure out exactly what they mean. I mean, in a lot of cases, they'll find two existing references that, you know, technically they're not the same. Neither of them is the same as yours. But if if they were to combine those two, um, it would it would it would lead to your idea. And, you know, they, they think of this hypothetical person that that's aware of existing prior art, but they're not very creative. You know, they can't come up with ideas of their own. And if they were faced with your same problem, would they think to combine those two existing um, pieces of prior art I into your invention. And if so, then maybe yours is a bit obvious. If not, then yeah, you could probably overcome that obviousness rejection. So anyway, yeah, trying to translate some of these terms in a way that, uh, and I do practice on my kids sometimes too, being like, Hey, do you guys understand what a patent is? <laughs> if I can, if I can teach them, then I can probably teach my clients, you know, very easily. Well, that's really awesome. Um, yeah. So what worries and excites you about the future as we move move into more and more of the IP and technology being recognized and developed? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always this, this sort of dichotomy, um, you know, between, I guess you could sort of call it open source or um, or returning the knowledge to the public uh, in some way, you know, pub publishing your ideas and, and you know, letting other people freely use it. So that's that would be one side. And then the other side, you know, really locking things down and being very secretive about your ideas and, and filing patents and all this stuff. So I guess this is one thing that, you know, that I have, I have conversations with clients about it from time to time. And, um, and it, it I don't know if it exactly worries me, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely one thing in the industry that, that I think is always evolving this discussion. And, um, you know, I come from a bit of a unique perspective, having, having previously worked at a university uh, because, you know, the mandate of the university, and I was working there for almost eight, eight years, uh, helping researchers patent their, their research and then ideally, you know, try to commercialize it through a license. And, but it was always this dichotomy there too, because the objective, the higher level objective of the university, uh, you know, they're using publicly funded money and they're trying to return the expertise to the public, right? So learn, uh, de develop our understanding of the universe and science engineering and, and uh, other areas, and then return that knowledge to the public through mostly through publications, right? So peer reviewed scientific journal articles and literature. Um, and so what I would see, though, is that those publications, oftentimes, they'd sort of sit there. Obviously, other researchers in other universities would would love that, and they'd be all over it reading these publications. But, you know, people in in the real world, let's say, <laughs> or uh, the rest of the world, maybe we could call it, is uh, they, they very rarely would, you know, take one of these scientific journal articles off the shelf, read it, and use it in some way to improve their lives, right? <laughs> so in order to get some of that, 
awesome research and expertise off the shelf and into the hands of actual, you know, consumers or everyday people or whoever it is uh, beyond just the academic world. It, it's, it's a long road. And I think, you know, if you, if, if you don't file a patent, then your chances of bringing that knowledge to um, the world in terms of commercialization is almost, almost zero. There's almost zero chance of that ever happening because, you know, you need, you need a company or someone who's going to spearhead it and, and someone who's willing to put in the time and money uh, because, you know, it takes a lot of money to develop these products to especially, you know, university level stuff that's, that's at a very early stage, just lab stage uh, research. So to build that into an actual product and scale it up so that it can be commercialized uh, successfully, it takes a lot of time and investment of time and money. So, you know, that business who's doing that needs to have some hope that once they bring it to market, they'll actually be able to recoup all the investment they've made in the, in, you know, scaling up uh, development and everything else. So a patent is kind of one way to do that. And it's, it's a lot, it, it gives them at least some confidence that, you know, once they get, it might take them five, 10 years to get it to market. And then after that, they've still got 10 years of life left, hopefully, or maybe more on the patent where they now have exclusivity in that market for some period. And, and, you know, at the end of that, it is published, you know, anyone can use it when the patent expires. So, so it is eventually coming back to, um, to the public. Now, of course, different industries move at different speeds. So in software, 20 years is like an eternity. I mean, so it doesn't, you know, it's a bit of a different way of thinking about it there, but there's other forms of IP like copyright that can sometimes be more useful for protecting your code. And, and then you can open source in different ways, but even the term open source is a bit nebulous. So, um, yeah, so it really depends on the industry, but hopefully that answers your question. I know it's <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's that's great. Um, so, what thoughts do you have that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, I guess at a, at a really high level, I mean, a bit higher than we've been talking about in the in the podcast. Um, you know, I think it's really important for people to continue always keep learning um, whether they're developing you know new and innovative technologies within their business so you know learning on a business scale that you know having their engineers or even if it's just them uh, coming up with new ideas of ways to make your business better and and then thinking about whether it's going to be possible to protect those ideas or not or whether you're just learning you know a, a different business stra strategies or ways of of improving your business or even from a personal perspective, um, I guess coming back to my, th the nerdy parent newsletter, you know, <laughs> considering, you know, different new exciting ways of uh, living your life or, or improving your life. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent for learning and lifelong learning. Uh, but of course, you know, making sure then that you're not just, you know, opening yourself to the, the torrent of information that's available to us these days, but trying to focus at least a, a big chunk, you know, 60 to 80% of that learning on, specific situation or circumstances you might be in in your business or you know problem that you're facing in your life or your business that you need to overcome because there's you know if you if you are careful about what you take in in terms of podcasts or youtube or whatever it is um, any kind of media social media if you're if you're seeking out the information that you need then you're gonna i think you're gonna be able to apply it so much more easily and so much more quickly that you'll uh you'll be able to improve your life and your business much more 
quickly that way. Absolutely. You do have to be pretty selective nowadays because, <laughs> yeah. as you say, yeah. the torrent is enormous. It's like drinking from a fire hose if you try to yeah. notice everything that surrounds us on a daily basis. <laughs> How can listeners contact you to find out more about you and your services? Sure. And obviously the, the, the cubes as well, if anyone's interested in <laughs> <Sure>. acquiring those. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, definitely uh, send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to re- to connect with anyone. Uh, just search for my name, uh, Trevor Prentice. Uh, if you specifically, if you have questions about intellectual property and and you want to have a, a discussion, then just go to viplink.com. So t h e i p l i n k dot com, and there's a big button there that says you know schedule a, a free IP clarity column. More than happy to answer people's questions and chat about the patent process. So, so that's great. Um, yeah, if you're looking for a, a great like learning uh, toy uh, for maybe Christmas or something, or for yourself, you know, I think it's a cool thing for adults to to get into as well. Then my that business is called Rocket Cubes. So you can go to RocketCubes.ca. Um, I, I do mostly focus in in the local market because one of my selling features is that uh, people can sort of pick it up anytime. They can just pop by and and pick it up as opposed to you know if you wanted to get those cubes. Otherwise, you'd have to wait a while for shipping or pay a lot for shipping. But, uh, but Calgary, I mean, you could probably get a cube. Uh, I'll, I'll mail it down there as well, no problem. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And, and yeah, but ju- yeah, maybe just connect on LinkedIn or, or find me on social media. I'd be more than happy to have a discussion and see where other people are at in their business. Fantastic. And we will link all of those, those addresses up in the show no- on the show notes page for those who are driving or listening to the podcast while they don't have access to a pen and paper or a computer to to key the links in. So we will certainly do that. So thanks very much, Trevor. That was a fantastic opportunity to learn a lot more about the IP topic. And it, it was great to have a chat today. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show. And it was great chatting with you as well. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients achieve the business growth and success they are capable of. They innovate and strategically anticipate, fine-tune their highest impact business variables, and regularly exceed aggressive growth and cash flow targets. If you would like to know more, here are four ways you can help energize your business growth. Number one, Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast to hear from other companies that have overcome growth hurdles they have experienced. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app right now or go to proteaconsulting.ca slash podcast. Number two, get your free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing to discover her proven strategies for growth. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash book. Number three, download a copy of the Financial Growth Scorecard to assess your current status and what to work on next on your growth journey. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash growth. Number four, work with us to achieve the growth and success your company is truly capable of. To find out if we're a fit, Email NOLA at info at proteaconsulting.ca or send us a note on the website at proteaconsulting.ca 
forward slash contact.